Hi, this is Robert. You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast. With me is Kat and Mike, and we're going to be talking about GI Bill and post-9-11 GI Bill benefits, and there are several differences. One of the big things, though, that I want to bring to the forum is that a lot of people really don't take advantage of the programs offered to them as veterans. When they go into the military, they're given these educational benefits or they pay into them, depending upon the situation, and a lot of them don't take advantage of the tuition assistance while on active duty or to go get their education afterwards, whether it's vocational or through you know higher institutions. So only about 30% or 34% of Americans between the age of 25 to 29 actually go and get a bachelor's degree themselves. So when you take into account some of that number is probably veterans, I'm assuming, that number is really low. And in the marketplace, when you're looking at job opportunities, there are those disclaimers within job descriptions where they're looking for people with education. They feel that those individuals achieved higher goals, wanted to go out and do something above and beyond. And you become a little bit more well-rounded by having those types of, you know, that type of education. So when you think about that and you're looking at new opportunities afterwards, you've got this kind of free money or free opportunity that's available to you. And I don't think enough veterans really take advantage of it. But we want to get into some of the differences between the GI Bill, post-9-11 GI Bill, how it is that you can really kind of maneuver through that, what it entails. And Mike, you're kind of an expert because right now you're going through your master's program and taking advantage of some of these benefits. Well, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, Robert, but I'm practiced. So I'll, I'll take it. I'll take what I can get out of it. I think the first thing we should cover, though, is, is maybe some of the eligibility requirements and the major differences in the program. You're eligible for the Montgomery GI Bill if you entered active military service after June 30th, 1985. Uh, everybody that came in had the opportunity to pay into that program. It cost us $100 a month for 12 months, a total of 1200 bucks, and it pays you a benefit over several years while you're in college. The post-9-11 GI Bill came out, obviously, after 9-11, and anybody who served on active duty, uh, either active service or National Guard or reserves that were activated, after September 11, 2001, are eligible to participate in the uh, post-9-11 GI Bill, and that was free. So the difference up front is one cost is 1200 bucks, and then the other program is completely free to service members who served in the post-9-11 world. The post-9-11 GI Bill provides a benefit for 15 years after you separate from service, and the Montgomery GI Bill provides a benefit for only 10 years. So that's something to consider if you're, uh, if you're weighing between the two. The major difference, I think, is the, the post-9-11 GI Bill pays a housing stipend, on top of paying all of your, your in-state tuition. With the post-9-11, they pay the school directly. They don't pay you so that you reimburse the school. They pay the school directly. Right. That's a big difference. So the post-9-11 GI Bill will pay in-state tuition to any, any school that you want to go to, and they'll pay it directly to the school. They'll also pay you a, a book allowance, a book and supplies allowance of up to $1,000 a year, and they break that up by semester. So you get 500 for semester, uh, you know, fall semester and 500 for the spring semester. And then they pay the housing allowance. The housing allowance uh, comes out to uh, the BAH rate for an E5 with dependents. So for me here in Colorado, uh, I think in 2016, it's about 1600 bucks a month. The difference is between that and the Montgomery GI Bills, Montgomery GI Bill pays a set amount. Uh, you enroll to go to school. You file everything with uh, the VA for your, for your GI Bill payments, and then they'll send you a check. And in 2015, it's just over $1,700 a month. Um, out of that $1,700, uh, 
you have to pay your tuition, you have to pay your fees, you got to pay for your parking pass, your books, your supplies, and everything like that. So there's no housing stipend, but the amount they pay you is a little bit higher. So there's some things to consider. Uh, a lot of states, if you entered active duty service, like I'm from Illinois, well, they'll pay for my bachelor's degree for free. I don't have any fees or, or tuition that I'll pay if I went to school uh, in Illinois when I, when I get out. And there are a lot of states like that. I don't know what all of them are, but you need to research the state that your, your residency is from and see if they'll pay for your college for free. If you're in that case and you get out of the military and you go back to your state and you go to college, it really doesn't make sense, in my opinion, to sign up for the post 9-11 GI Bill and have them not have to pay tuition. In that case, you're only going to draw the housing allowance and the book stipend, which I've already said between $1,500, $1,600 a month, you'd actually be drawing more money on the Montgomery GI Bill. So you've got to weigh the options on how much how much it's going to cost you in the long run. If you're paying tuition at a state and your state doesn't cover uh, veteran in-state tuition, well, then the post-9-11 GI Bill is probably a better option for you because it'll pay your tuition and they'll give you a housing allowance. If you think about it, a housing allowance for, say, even $1,500 a month, if you're going to school full-time, comes out to about $18,000 a year. And uh, that, that takes a little bit off of what you would have to work part-time or, or work even full-time if you're going to school at night to try and make ends meet while you're getting your education. You know, there are a lot of cool things like vocational flight schools, correspondence schools, national testing programs, licensing and certification tests that you can take. And, uh, you know, again, there's there's all kinds of great benefits here by using these. There's uh, a lot of stipulations, of course, that go with it. And you were talking about the comparisons where there's a... Uh, website benefits.va.gov backslash GI Bill that actually gets into a comparison tool uh, and does exactly what you just did. You can actually put in there and say, okay, my military status is veteran. Which GI Bill benefit did I receive? How many cumulative post 9-11 active duty service did I have? And, you know, all that kind of good information. And then it allows you to search schools. So there's a lot of stuff that's available online that you can research and do a lot of that comparative analysis like you're talking about, Mike. Yeah, and I'm not an expert on, on the flight school, the vocational schools, uh, Robert, but I, I think the VA also has on, on the VA site, they have a, a breakdown of how uh, those particular types of programs are paid for through both the Montgomery GI Bill and the post-9-11 GI Bill. Yeah. Now, what's cool about this is a lot of people are going to come back and they're going to, you know, they're going to have to work a job. They're not going to be able to go straight out, perhaps, and go to school. We understand that many of us aren't able to get a degree within the average time frame, which, by the way, is not 48 months like a lot of people think. Typically today, the average time to degree is 52 months. So, and it ends up even being longer than that, depending upon the situation and the classes available and all those types of things. But when you're looking at that, there are cool ways that you can add in or, you know, you can go to school part time, but still receive full time benefits depending upon how many classes that you take and how you end up expanding that, if I'm correct here, Mike. And for instance, you could take maybe two classes and then take a, a correspondence or an online learning class and still be classified as a full-time student. I was just going to say with some of the schools that you can actually go to, um, they're not the traditional three semesters. Some of them will break down as set up like three semesters, but you're only going to take eight-week courses, whereas you can do two two classes in an eight-week course time frame and then an additional two, which sets you up for full-time status. But you're not doing four classes for 16 weeks, which is extremely beneficial for like what you just said, Robert, about going to school part time. You still have that full time status to get your full benefits. I, I don't know how I don't know how they calculate full time versus half time 
uh, for, for any of the benefits. Uh, I know some schools, like University of Phoenix has four and five week classes. Uh, and if you put several of those in a semester, I assume you would qualify for full-time benefits. But I do know you've got to take 12 semester hours in that standard semester to qualify for full, full-time BH or the, for the stipend in the post-9-11 GI Bill. If you drop below 12 semester hours, you're going to get paid a proportional amount. If you drop below six semester hours, they're not going to pay you uh, the stipend at all. So it's something to weigh on which program you use and if you're going to use your GI Bill benefits, I think, if, uh, depending on how much time you have to go to school. To combine it, like you said, Robert, I think that uh, what you're talking about is is the difference between online school and sitting in a classroom school uh, through the post-9-11 GI Bill also comes with a difference in how much of a housing stipend they'll pay you. If you go to a 100% online format, you get 50% of the maximum benefit for the stipend. So here in Colorado Springs, the, uh, the stipend's about $1,600 a month if you're a full-time student going to a classroom. Well, you'll draw half of that, about 800 bucks a month, uh, in your, if you're going online. The way you can, you can draw the full-time uh, maximum stipend and combine those two is to take one class where you're actually sitting in a classroom, and the rest of your class is all online, which affords you a lot more time and flexibility in your schedule. Uh, you'll have to sit in a classroom you know, for a couple hours, maybe twice a week. Some of them I've even seen that you can, you can knock the entire class out in one day a week sitting in the classroom. Again, you still have to have that 12 semester hours to qualify for full-time status. And that's the key is that you've got to be able to maintain that certain status in order to receive whatever amount or stipend that you're going to be receiving directly to the institution. So it definitely pays to go out there and take a look at the differences and what it is that you're trying to do. And first off is probably trying to figure out what it is that you want to do in terms of passion or purpose and applying that to either the vocational learning or through the higher institution and seeking the different degree programs. And when you sit down with a college counselor or a vocational counselor, they're going to outline these are the classes you're going to have to take. This is a typical timeline because, you know, it's either based on semester or it's based on a quarterly hour or something of that nature. So you're going to you're going to have that path and that direction to know I need to take these classes at this time frame and I am probably during this time period only going to be able to take two classes or three classes or whatever the case may be and that'll allow you to understand what that budget is or that amount of money that you're going to receive in. It'll help you in your planning. One thing I just wanted to add especially for members that are serving actively or trying to get their service, like the schools that they went to while in the service, transferred over to the civilian side, is to make sure that when you are going through these schools, a lot of them you may think, you know, they're not applicable to what I want to do in the civilian side, but they may knock out some of your prerequisite classes where you're not going to even have to pay for them. Yeah, when you get yeah. out, you'll get a, a Dante's transcript that, that kind of says everything that you've you've done in the military, the schools, and where they will apply toward. And I'll tell you, Kat, it's primarily elective credit. Uh, you're not going to get you're not going to get credit for military service, you know, for any you know world U.S. history humanities courses. It's going to be primarily, you know, I got a, I got one credit for going to free fall school for parachuting, believe it or not. Uh, and if you're if depending on the type of degree you have, if you've got a lot of electives that are allowed, then a lot of those will roll in. And I I mean, my first degree I did an associate's degree several years ago uh, with Pikes Peak Community College, and I think they rolled up a, a year worth of that kind of stuff just for a general studies degree. That's a good point because actually when I went down many years ago and sat down with the counselor and I saw the same type of printout and it showed things like, you know, U.S. world history or something of that nature on the transcript from my military experience. But the problem was the class 
and the way it was titled or whatever, they have a classification book that they look at and they go, oh, well, that doesn't match because that was at a, let's say, a junior, I mean, a freshman level, such as such, and the class that you need is at a 200 series level. Therefore, this is not applicable. I mean, it's the same, almost the same title, same type of, you know, study, yet now it doesn't match. So there's a classification book. That's and that, Well, it's not even a classification book. They'll take the book from the previous institute, the class description, and then take their institute's book on their class description and go through is, they'll look for wording that matches. Yeah. And that's what's, that's what's just interesting about it. It's like I did all of these schools that pretty much are applicable to this, but just because it doesn't say intermediate, it won't work out. Yeah, and that happens a lot when you transfer from one university to another. And I mean, let's face it, these institutions are in the money-making business, so they want to standardize how they teach. And so you may go to one school and you may have three years or four years of college and about to graduate and for whatever unfortunate circumstance you have to leave and you move to another location and enroll in another school, you may find out that you only have two and a half years worth of education because you're having to almost start all over again because they didn't recognize a lot of those classes. Let's talk for just a second and break from the GI Bill topic, talk about when it would be advantageous to talk about what to do what Kat has suggested doing, which is taking your Dante's transcript and rolling it into college credit. A lot of people do this in the military. It's a quick way to, or an accelerated way to, to get your degree. And, and again, I said it, I, I did it for a uh, an associate's degree. I did an associate's in general studies several years ago. And the, the objective of that was to get my first degree and a lot of credit hours to roll in toward a promotion board. And if you look at junior enlisted soldiers going to a promotion board, they get points for civilian education. If you look at going to your first DA centralized boards for uh, either sergeant first class or master sergeant, uh, a degree carries some weight to show that you've you've taken the extra effort to do some self-improvement. So a lot of people will do that and they'll take all those credit hours like me in parachuting and put it toward electives and then walk away with a degree that may not be applicable really anywhere else but while you're in the military. Right. So it's something to consider. Uh, it's it's a shorter track to a degree, but it's also a degree that, that may not apply to anything when you get out. I, I will say that any associates applies to a bachelor's. Any bachelor's applies toward a master's. Any school will take those degrees, but you may have to do a little bit more work, like I've just had to do, to go into a master's in education to do some prerequisite courses that I hadn't taken in my either my associates or my bachelor's. But you bring just up a, to consider. You bring up a very good point that a lot of people I think that don't understand higher education fall trap into it. And it's primarily because when they do go to the educational center, at least what I found while I was on active duty, they typically focus military towards the associate's degree because that's what is an enlisted person you need in order to progress up and rank. So they'll focus so much energy on that that they don't talk to you more about what gets your degree and maybe in the bachelor's program because you can find that you end up taking two to four classes for your associate's degree that is not applicable and will not roll over to your bachelor's degree. And had you focused on your bachelor's degree instead of an associate's degree, you would be one semester ahead of where you were because the associate's degree is not necessarily your target. You know what I mean? Two years of education is typically what they're looking for, not necessarily an associate's degree. So you could be well on your way. Yeah, I think it's just it's limited in focus for people, uh, soldiers uh, who are going to promotion boards. Right. right. And I, I think what's great, too, is uh, the Army is finally catching up. Is they're gearing their, you know, they want service members to come out with degrees. So they've changed their format 
on their NCOESs. I know back in, what was it, 2010 when I went through BNOC, which is no longer in existence, primarily focused on being an NCO or a squad leader for a transportation company where now you go through ALC, WLC, SLC, which is a lot more primed towards writing and more educational. When you do transfer to your Dante's, that you are getting your English credits. You are getting like your leadership credits can transfer for communication credits. So I'm kind of, um, especially from what I've seen with my husband going through ALC and SLC, that he is getting a broader range of credits Whereas for me, when I went over to transfer all of my credits from my NCOESs or other non-applicable schools, I got maybe a PE credit. Good job on the Army for you know finally figuring it out after all these years, but one class getting knocked out by the Army is, is better than having to pay for it out of pocket afterwards. Hey, oh, hey Robert, I'll, I want to make one comment on that, and I promise they'll steer us back to the GI Bill. But Kat, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hang it up on the Army that they're trying to do anything for your benefit. Uh, in, oh, no. in, that, in that case, <laughs> I, I, and I just got to tell you from experience, traditionally, uh, NCOs can't write, man. You know, they, they're, they're awful. At, look at counseling statements from the 80s and 90s. Uh, they're just terrible. And if you continue ascending in rank, you're going to be assigned to work for lieutenant colonels, colonels, and general officers. And if you cannot write, and these are guys with multiple master's degrees, if you cannot write, and deliver stuff in written communication and you cannot contribute to the organization. Uh, it's not, you know, a sergeant major these days doesn't just walk around and, and tell people to trim their mustache and, uh, you know, blouse or boots, you know, stuff that guys did in the 80s. Uh, we're expected to contribute to the organization at more than, than that type of superficial level. Education contributes to that. It's a lot of self-awareness too, that if you possibly do get, you know, these English credits, but you know that you're not a very good rider. I wouldn't pursue your, you know, just taking that free ride because it's eventually going to be a damper on other classes that you have to take. But I do say just from my observation of him going through these schools that even as frustrated as he was because he is a good rider, he felt like he was going back to his college classes. I mean, for these new guys that are coming up, even these schools that the Army is giving them or changing their format, I feel it's preparing them more if it's they necessary. do their college degree. Yes, absolutely. It is necessary. And not just for them, but for the progression of the Army because we don't want to look like a bunch of idiots. So even though that we may be portrayed to be so. Hey, I, I want to steer this back to something you said earlier, Robert. You were talking about, you know, which, which of the programs to use to consider how long uh, of a track you've got for your education and, and that sometimes you can't in a non-traditional format when you're working and going to school, achieve your education in, you know, three, four or five years. But, you know, that, that that's a big difference when you're considering the post 9-11 GI Bill or the Montgomery GI Bill. Uh, the Montgomery GI Bill offers you four years of education payments. And, I, you know, again, you got to consider which one's better for you and how much it's going to cost. But the post 9-11 GI Bill only pays you for 36 months. So it doesn't matter if you take one class using your GI Bill benefits uh, for that semester, you get charged for those months. It's best to take a full load of classes when you can to maximize the benefit. Um, but if you can't get your education completed, at least at a bachelor's degree level in three years, maybe it's better to consider the Montgomery GI Bill and not convert. And one way that that's a, a really good example is uh, if you plan to do a bachelor's and then go on to your master's degree. And there's a, there's a program that allows you to convert the Montgomery GI Bill at a later part when you're already using the benefit to the post 9-11 GI Bill. So you can actually extend your benefits out to five years. 
So you can use the Montgomery GI Bill for, for four years, and in that last year, you want to convert to the post-9-11 GI Bill. Say you want to go ahead and start your master's, or say you already have part of your bachelor's done, you're going to complete it, and you need more time and money to complete your master's. Well, in the fourth year of Montgomery GI Bill benefit, you convert to post-9-11 GI Bill. It gives you an additional 12 months with all the same benefits uh, with the housing stipend and everything that the post 9-11 GI Bill gives everybody else. So a part of the process of, you know, applying for benefits, especially when you get out, eBenefits website, applying for benefits for your education is they will direct you to a VONAP site. And one thing that's extremely important is knowing which benefit you want to use. Complete the VONAP application and it typically takes about a month to get your letter of eligibility. No school, no accredited institution will accept your benefits until you get your letter of uh, eligibility. So if you decide a week before school officially starts that you want to go to school, there's no way you're going to be able to do it because you're not going to have that letter of eligibility and you're going to be paying this money out of pocket. The process of the VA of them actually paying you back in a, you know, a proper time is going to not be reasonable. So when you're going on the eBenefits website, and you go to apply for your VONAP, make sure you know and ask questions. Go to the, the education benefits, your office to the institution you're going to, call the 1-800 number, ask them which benefit is going to apply to me because if you choose the Montgomery GI Bill, the post 9-11, REAP, what have you, they're gonna send you that letter of eligibility and say this happens 30 days after you apply, you come back and you're like, this isn't gonna work for me. To actually go in, you have to reapply on VONAP, change your letter of eligibility. The way that the VA works, you know, they're great people, but something's gonna go awry. As for personal experience, it took me six months to want to start school because I didn't have the proper letter of eligibility. So please take advantage of, you know, the people and the resources of figuring out which benefit you want to use and fill up the paperwork properly because you're not going to get that letter of eligibility the next day. It takes months. And then if they get it wrong, it's going to take even farther than that. Well, so VONAP, just to clarify, is the Veterans Online Application for Benefits. And you can access that either by doing a search for VONAP, V-O-N-A-P-P, uh, and it'll pull it up. Or you can just log on to eBenefits and apply for benefits. Either way, it's going to take you to this form that you're going to fill out. But Kat's right. Before anything that you get from the VA, the VA certifies your eligibility. Just like buying a home, uh, just like getting VA health care, they certify your eligibility, and it takes a little bit of time. And you probably have to submit a DD-214 to them to expedite the process. I know I did for, I think, just about everything. Uh, I also had to, to do an online application for my GI Bill benefits. I had given some of those to my son, and when I retired, in order to get them credited back to me for my own use, I, I had to go in and do this application for education benefits, and then the VA took about 60 days to research my background and how much of my benefit that my son had used, and then they credit it back to me, and they give you an actual certificate or a letter of eligibility that states how many months uh, you're eligible. It tells you, it, tell, it tells the school really when you came in the military and what benefits they qualify to claim on your behalf. So when you go to the college uh, veterans office and you say, I'm a veteran and I want to, I want to sign up for college, they're going to need that from you. I, a lot of, that's a big misconception that people think that I'm, I'm a veteran. I've got the GI bill. I can just go sign up. And it's, it's not true. The veterans administration has their part to do and your veterans office at the school will talk you through all this, but but like Kat says, don't show up a week before the semester begins and and then expect to have benefits start when you start school. It doesn't work that way. Like anything, it takes a little bit of prior planning. And one thing too, just to, to note, for those that are in, our listeners that are still in 
the service. You know, I know it, it changes all the time, but take advantage of your tuition assistance. You don't have to even worry about your GI Bill and take care of those general education classes because mostly any degree that you're going towards, you'll need your general education classes. And, and the Army, I mean, that's free money. Go ahead and take advantage of it. Well, money isn't free ever. And that's that takes me to my next point. If you are going to use your GI Bill or your tuition assistance, make sure you are ready and you are prepared because you will get that stipend every month. You will get the, your tuition paid for. But if you do not pass your classes, you are going to have to pay that money back. And I repeat, you will pay that money back. And that is not something that any service member wants to do. They just will not fork over money for you to get D's and F's. So please, if you're going to get an education, go full heartedly into it and don't expect them to just, you know, be mom and dad and take care of you because you will have to pay that money back. I received all of my education program while I was on active duty. I was very fortunate, but it also took me 10 years to get it all. So, I mean, it's not something that you plan on doing in a short amount of time. To your point, Kent, you might only be able to knock out the basics in the first two years and then start working on the actual degree component of it after you separate. But then you also have to be aware if you're not going to stick with the same institution, it goes back to what we talked talked about before that you're going to have to take those two years of education some classes may not apply to the new school that you're going to so you may have to retake a history class retake an english class that you had already taken while on active duty through the tuition assistance program so do your homework know the school or institution hopefully that you're going to go to after you separate if you are planning breaking it up that way so you take advantage of both programs tuition assistance and gi bill Unless you're going to finish it like I did, just all on active duty, full thing, tuition assistance from one institution. So, Robert, I'd like to talk about one more program that's out there to use for your education benefits, and that's the VA Yellow Ribbon Program. And it's it's not as widely advertised. Not, not a lot of people know about it. I'm using it right now. But the VA Yellow Ribbon Program is an agreement with the institution that you go with that the VA will cover a portion of the fees and, and tuition over what the GI Bill covers. So the GI Bill has a maximum amount for a year that it's going to cover, whether you're going to an in-state public institution or a private school. Uh, The school I've chosen to do my master's is a private school. So their tuition and fees is significantly higher than in-state tuition. So the GI Bill will cover X amount of dollars. I think it's 28,000 for a year. I can't remember exactly. And then on top of that, there's, there's a delta that's left. That's my responsibility to pay. A lot of institutions have this agreement with the VA that they will pay a portion of it and the VA will, will have a matching portion of it. That's called the Yellow Ribbon Program. It's only applicable under the post 9-11 GI Bill. So you cannot participate in a Yellow Ribbon Program if, uh, if you're on the Montgomery GI Bill. But if you're using a post 9-11 GI Bill and your tuition and fees goes above what is the normal for in-state tuition, or if you're going to an institution that you don't qualify for in-state tuition and the the VA is paying in-state tuition for you, you're going to have an amount left over. You should look into uh, uh, the availability of the Yellow Ribbon Program. For me, the VA is paying an additional $5,000 and the school is covering an additional $5,000 of my tuition. So on top of my GI Bill benefit, the Yellow Ribbon Program is providing me $10,000, basically a scholarship, to cover uh, something that would fall to my responsibility. Another thing that you had mentioned, Mike, that I'll go ahead and highlight is that you had talked about transferring benefits to your dependents. The transferability option under the post-9-11 GI Bill allows service members to transfer all or some unused benefits to their spouse or dependent children. The DOD determines whether or not you can do that, and once the DOD approves the benefits for transfer, 
The new beneficiaries can apply for them at VA. You can find out more about this information. We won't go into a lot of detail, but you can find out about it on the DOD website, www.defense.gov, and search the GI Bill, and they'll get into the transferability, eligibility requirements, and how you can go about doing that. I know that might be an interest to many, so go check that information out as well. Go out and take a look at what it is that you're planning on getting as far as an education, whether it's vocational or higher institution. Check out vets.gov backslash gi-bill-comparison-tool, or just go to vets.gov, and you're going to get a load of information. I mean, there's tons of it out there. You can apply for the GI Bill. You can learn about the differences between the different programs. You can uh, understand what kind of benefits you're going to get, depending upon the higher education or vocational school that you're going to be attending and based on the geographical area, as Mike mentioned, or housing, you'll learn all the stipends, all the information that's going to be available to you. Highly encourage you to do that. This is a uh, big time benefit that's been offered to you and take advantage of it. Get the education, the higher education that you need to be competitive in the marketplace. So on behalf of Mike, on behalf of Kat, I'm Robert, and I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Be sure to take a look at us on iTunes and on SoundCloud and subscribe to us, as well as take advantage of the combat flip-flops offer that was made recently in our last podcast with Griff, and that's you get 20% off of all merchandise till the end of May by using Mentors for Military, all lower, and that allows you to take, again, advantage of the 20% off all merchandise. 